Many Catholics have learned to love the Blessed Virgin Mary from their childhood, especially under her title as Our Lady of Fatima. What happened in that small town in Portugal so many decades ago? And why do these events still bring hope to the modern world? Today we'll discuss the message of Fatima with our special guest, Father Andrew Apostoli, CFR. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Franciscan University presents. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Today we'll be discussing the message of Our Lady of Fatima and its relevance today. I'm joined here in our studios with our regular panelist, Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Systematic Theology at Franciscan University, Dr. Scott Hahn, Professor of Biblical Theology at Franciscan University in Steubenville, and our special guest who's no stranger to EWTN, Father Andrew Apostoli, CFR. Uh, Father Andrew is uh, the, one of the co-founders of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Uh, is also a member of the community there. Uh, you were uh, ordained to the priesthood uh, by then Bishop uh, Sheen, and you're now the vice postulator for the cause of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. You're a seminary professor, you're an author and popular speaker, uh, and today we're going to be discussing uh, the book uh, Fatima for Today, The Urgent Marian Message of Hope. Uh, Father, could you start us off with just a little bit about Fatima? When did it happen and how did it all uh, start? Well, the main event with the apparitions of Our Lady began on uh, May 13th, 1917. However, as God often prepares the way, you know, even when He sent John the Baptist before Christ, He sent an angel to the three little children. The three little children were uh, Lucia uh, Mar Santos um, and uh, her two little cousins, Francisco and Jacinta Marto. Mm -hmm. They were, uh, Lucia was 10, Francisco was 9, and Jacinta was only 7. Mm -hmm. And uh, the angel came in the year 1916 three times to uh, prepare them, I think, with a spirit of, first of all, prayer mm. and understanding the idea, the importance of sacrifice for the conversion of sinners. He taught them a little prayer to say, called the pardon prayer, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you, and I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. Um, and so he, he instilled in them that prayer and a real spirit of sacrifice. In fact, he, when the second time he appeared, they were playing some games and he told them, what are you doing? You have to be praying. <laughs> so he really, <coughs> that made an impression. The angel kind of slapped him around. Yeah, around. that's right, that's right. Well, they sound uh, like perfectly normal children. Oh, they were, absolutely. Francisco especially, he liked to <laughs> right. play his games. You know, he used to say a brief, when they did, he prayed the rosary, but he would say, Hail Mary, Holy Mary. Hail Mary, Holy Mary. <laughs> 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 and that's why when the Blessed Mother appeared, all three children saw him, but Francisco could not hear her. 
And when Lucia asked why couldn't Francisco hear, Our Lady said he has to say many rosaries first. Oh. Uh. So he made up for those, <laughs> you know, abbreviated rosary. The third apparition was very important because it brought the Eucharist into the message of Fatima. Because the angel, he called himself the angel of Portugal, the angel of peace. Hmm. He came holding the Blessed Sacrament. The host was above a chalice, and the host, the precious blood of Jesus, was dripping into the chalice. And um, all of a sudden, it remained suspended in the air. He came down to where the three children were, and they bowed to the ground, almost as the Muslims pray, with their heads right. to the ground, mm. Mm. profound mm. adoration. And he taught them a beautiful prayer uh, of reparation to Jesus in the Most Blessed Sacrament. So that prepared the children uh, with the spirit of sacrifice, a uh, spirit of, of uh, really deeper awareness of the need to pray for the yeah. conversion of sinners. And he told them, God has plans for you. And then finally, 1917, as you know, World War I was going on. They called it the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, it did not. Um, and the Pope at the time, Pope Benedict XV, yeah. attempted to negotiate peace between the nations, but there was such hostility, yeah. uh, you know, that he made no progress. So he said, we have to go to Our Lady. And in May of 1917, he began a novena. And on the eighth day, which was May 13th, uh, the Blessed Mother made her first appearance to mm -hmm. the children. They were, they were shepherding the sheep. It was a, they were the youngest children in their families, and that was always the task assigned to the little children, was to take the sheep out and, you know, feed them, graze them out. And, uh, you know, they were in a place called the Cova de Iria, which was owned by the Marto, I'm sorry, by the, um, by the Santos family. And, uh, and while they were there, they thought a storm was coming. They saw like a lightning, and all of a sudden, the next thing they saw was this beautiful lady. And she introduced herself uh, when they asked her, who are you, she, where are you from? She said, she said I am from heaven. And um, she said, God has designs for you. And will you accept suffering from God for the sake of the conversion of sinners and peace in the world? So they had already been prepared with an understanding of uh, intercessory prayer and the need for sacrifice. And so generously, these little children really gave their lives over. And that was the first apparition. She asked two things uh, at that apparition. She mentioned a few other things, but the two main things, she said, come back on the 13th of every month, you know, from now until October. And she said, pray the rosary every day. It's the only request she yeah. made yeah. in all six, mm. uh, all, all six of the apparitions yeah. was pray the rosary every day. Yeah. I, just a couple of very quick questions. Sure, Why Portugal? Uh, is it because Portugal was not a belligerent uh, in the Great War? Because, I mean, there are children everywhere. Why couldn't Mary have appeared to a couple of French kids? That's right. That's right. Well, that's true. That's a very good point, uh, uh, Regis. I, I think the reason why Portugal was chosen was because it had a tremendous history of the faith. But remember, uh, a um, Masonic government had taken over. The king, <coughs> Portugal, and his son were, um, they, they were assassinated, I think, yeah. in 1912. And then a uh, Masonic government took over. And the uh, president, uh, who, who was a very fiercely anti-Catholic, anti-Christian, he said Portugal will become, uh, you know, a, a, a secular nation. He said in two generations, there won't be anything of a remembrance of the faith in Portugal. So I think Our Lady came to rescue that land yeah. which had been so uh, close to her, you know. Mm. And I, I think that's why she came there. And then 
uh, at the same time, uh, you know, she, uh, she was giving this uh, message through the children. You know, when you mentioned about the, the little children, it always seems to be God's predilection, right? Yeah. Right, right. You know, Bernadette, uh, Lord, remember? And Lucia's parents were asking the same question, like, right. you know, Why? <laughs> yeah, what, how does this make any sense? Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It was really interesting to see how detached they were and how really non-affirming uh, yeah. you know, in reading your book. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lucia's family gave her a very hard time. Yeah. 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 She got a lot of punishments and, and, and right. Right. ostracization. Yeah. And, yeah. It was a real persecution uh, for them, a great testing oh, of their faith and their trust. The, the other question I had was, why 1917? The war had been raging since uh, 1914. Why, why, why the postponement? Yeah. Um, well, of course, I, I think the Pope was trying to do it diplomatically, and yeah. he realized he just came to a stone wall, and he said, there's only yeah. one person who can help us now, yeah. and yeah. that's Our Lady, and so he yeah. confidently went to her. And of course, these three kids knew exactly about the Pope praying the Novena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is such a divine email, conspiracy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, they know nothing about Russia, and yet Russia <laughs> right. ends up also looming large in all that's of this. Right. Absolutely. Remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, God always chooses these innocent ones, you know, as Jesus said, Father, I praise you because you reveal these things to the little ones, you know. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, you know, when St. Bernadette, when she was on trial, you know, after the apparitions and they were questioning her, and uh, one question put to her was, uh, why would God choose a 13-year-old girl to take this message, to receive this message? She said, well, I guess he wanted one. And you know, when they're, when they're so innocent, they're, they're very accepting. Right. They didn't question right. everything. Yeah. You know, they had that faith, uh, simpl simple faith. And you know what? They were faithful to it. They yeah. became so generous, you know, that later on uh, in the August, when they were supposed to go to the apparition site in the COVID, they were abducted by the governor there, yeah. who was a mason, yeah. Yeah. and uh, they were actually put in prison and threatened if they didn't reveal the secrets that Our Lady had made, yeah. they were threatened to be boiled in oil. That's, that's yeah. a question I want to ask you about. Uh, you know, we often hear about the message of Our Lady of Fatima and the secrets. Right. Uh, could, could you help uh, explain sure. that a little bit? Sure, sure. What the secrets really refer to the July 13th apparition. There are, it was actually just one apparition, but they'd broken it down into three segments. That's why you hear the third secret. Yep. Okay. What it was, the first segment was uh, the children were given a vision of hell. When Our Lady appeared, she opened her hands. See, the first two times she appeared, when she opened her hands, beautiful peace surrounded the children. This time, when she opened her hands in July, the earth opened and they had a vision of hell. Wow. Yeah. And after, you know, which really, really was frightening. And, uh, uh, the afterwards, Our Lady said, you have seen hell where poor sinners go. And it is to prevent this that um, God is establishing devotion to my immaculate heart. Mm. So that was the first thing. And, you know, and that's when she taught us that prayer we say at the end of each decade. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Mm. Save us from the fires of hell. Right. Lead all souls to heaven, yeah. especially yeah. those most in need of thy mercy. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that, was, no, that was the first secret. The second secret followed immediately, um, and that was when Our Lady said, the war will end. Yeah. They said, but, she said, and she said, and if people do what I say, an era of peace will come. If not, she said, another more terrible war will occur. Yeah. And uh, she said, there will be a sign. If you see a night lit up by an unknown light, know that this is the sign that God is going to punish the world for its sins by war. And uh, that happened on the night of July, January 25th, 26th, 1938, 
And Lucia was a nun at that time. She was a Dorothean nun, and she said, that's the sign. I was not alive at that time, but I, I remember talking to my former provincial, and he, he was a young boy. He said, I remember it was such an eerie night. You saw green and red and all these colors in the sky. You didn't know what it, yeah. what it was. Mm. And this was a, practically a, a year before the outbreak of the Second World War. Just about, yes, yeah. right. And she even named the pope. She, she's called him Pius XI, and it was Pius XI who was pope oh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Isn't that amazing? They, that was the year before. he died. Huh? That was the year that he died. That's right. Too, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He was just barely still the Pope. Yeah. yeah. And the third secret. The third secret now. Oh, wait, oh wait, part of the second secret I just should mention. Oh, yeah. She said, an evil will begin in Russia yeah. and will yeah. spread around the world. Yeah. Okay, that was communism. Yeah. He said, provoking wars. We had Korea, Vietnam, and so on. Then uh, uh, provoke famines. Remember how Stalin starved the poor people in the right. Ukraine? Yeah. Then it would nations would be annihilated. All those nations became part of the Soviet Union. They lost their independence. Yeah. And then finally, he said, she said, and the Pope, will have, the Church will be persecuted, and the Pope will suffer much. She said, but to prevent that, I will come back and ask for two things. I will ask for the communion of reparation, which we call the five first Sabbath. Then finally, she said, I will ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart by the Pope. Yeah. Mm. Then that led to the third secret. Now, the third secret begins with an angel. He's holding a flaming sword, and he's ready to touch the earth, which, as uh, Cardinal Ratzinger described it, he says was kind of an apocalyptic symbolism, yeah. that a, a, and fire would engulf the world. You can think of a nuclear war or whatever, you know? Yeah. And the Blessed Mother put her hand out, and these, these breezes from her hand stop the flames from touching the earth. Wow. In other words, she prevented a, wor a world yeah. war. Some believe that that was the Cuban crisis. Because we were very close 62. to pushing the yeah. buttons, you know, yeah. for nuclear weapons. Yeah. And, um, and then the, he called for penance. He said it three times, penance, penance, penance. Then they saw this procession coming through, as they said, cities that were burned out, you know, broken down buildings and everything. And there were even dead people there. It kind of represented the tragedies of World War II and the suffering, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the whole like, 20th century. And was led, this procession was led by a bishop in white. They didn't know who he was, but they assumed it was a pope. Following him were bishops, priests, religious, and lay people, and this huge procession went up a mountain, and there was a Christ on a cross at the top of the mountain, and uh, it was bleeding, and they aimed, there were angels there catching the blood of Christ in these basins, like, and um, the pope, as he knelt before the cross, you know, he was shot, arrows and guns, and the pope died. See? And so that, uh, that became the third secret because uh, when the bishops uh, in Fatima wanted information for the beatification and canonization of Francisco and Jacinta, the one they had to go to was Lucia, see? Right. And our Lord had told them, you know, to keep that secret, but he, she, he allowed her to talk about the first two secrets, see? Yeah. And so she revealed them in her memoirs. What happened with the third secret she, she had to write that independently. She got very sick, and uh, the bishop came to her and said, um, you better give us that information before you die, otherwise there will be something important we don't know. Right. So she wrote it on a separate piece of paper, and uh, wrote 1960, and the rest became the, all the long yeah, history yeah, of yeah. Uh, what happened to that message. So it really was a secret that was kept for a long time. Yes, it, it was. wasn't revealed until yeah. later. Um, you know, as we, as we go into this, we're gonna, in the next segment, we'll talk about the, the message in and so far as what Our Lady has requested. It, do you, we also have the, the miracle of the sun 
Uh, I don't know if in a very short way, if you could describe what, what, what that was. Okay, right now? Yeah, yeah. if that's Yes, we, uh, the, the miracle of the sun was uh, uh, when, this, at the second apparition, uh, little Lucia told Our Lady, the people want to know who you are, and they want a sign that you are really coming here. She said, I will give that in October. So what happened in October, they estimated about 55,000 people were right at the Cova. And uh, the miracle of the sun was actually seen for 25 miles around mm. by another 20,000 people. So about 75,000 people saw this miracle, which was like the only miracle ever predicted as to time and place and ma the magnificence of it. And so people yeah. saw very clearly that Our Lady was there. Yeah. Um, in our next segment, we'll go into what Our Lady has requested. You're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Mary was asked to really serve God in a very special and distinct way. I think that's a really um, such a model for us in how she said yes. Uh, every, not only when the angel Gabriel came to her, but every single moment of her life when she was just willing to serve. Uh, that's just a really uh, that's just a really good model for us. Every single moment of our days, whenever we live, and whenever God asks something of us, we should always be willing to serve Him. Mary was the one who really, in a way, taught me how to pray. Uh, high school, I was in a place where I needed just a very gentle hand to bring me deeper into my faith and she was the one that just really took me into her arms and brought me to her son that really told me and taught me about who her son was and the love that he had for me and what he wanted for me in my life. My name is Michael Villanueva. I'm majoring in philosophy and theology. Last semester I had sacraments with Dr. Hahn and uh, I'll tell you right now it was the best class of my entire life. Every class, I'm just knocked out of my chair. It hits me like a ton of bricks. The beauty of the truth that he's speaking to us. Something so simple, but so beautiful and so profound and so powerful. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Today we're discussing the message of Our Lady of Fatima with author, preacher, teacher, Father Andrew Apostoli. Um, Father, in your book you say um, the, the message of Our Lady of Fatima, the appearance and the apparition in Our Fatima is one of the most important apparitions. Uh, let's go deeper into the requests that Our Lady had back in 1917. Well basically her message was uh, she came, she's a mother, she was made mother to all of us at the foot of the cross. And she cannot forget her motherly role, and she's concerned for the salvation of her children. And that's why that, that vision of hell was so significant, because she said she doesn't want any of her children to be lost. So what did she ask for? She asked for living good and holy lives. Mm -hmm. One of the last things she said in the October uh, apparition was, tell the people, she told the three little children, tell the people to stop offending God. Mm -hmm. He's already been so grievously offended. So she was calling us to holiness of life. Secondly, she was asking for prayer as intercessory prayer for the salvation of souls. She had said in the, uh, in the August apparition, with great sadness, in fact, Lucia, when she wrote about it, she said, Our Lady's face turned very sad at that moment. In that apparition, she said, many souls are lost from God. She said, pray, pray very much and offer sacrifice because she said, many souls are lost from God because there is no one to pray and offer sacrifices for them. Mm. I think that's a key to her message. So she asked for prayers, she asked for sacrifice. Later on, she asked for, she said she would come back. We mentioned in the previous segment that um, Our Lady had said about the evil that would begin in Russia and spread around the world. 
and she said she would ask for the two things. The new, one of the things she asked for was the so-called communion of reparation. That's what she called it. Uh, she came back in 1925. She appeared to Sister uh, uh, Lucia. She was actually a, a postulant with the Sisters of By then, the other two were dead. That's right. The other two died within two years. Within two right. years yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Our Lady even said that they would be going before That's right. Sister Lucia, which is she said, amazing. She said, I'll take them soon. And she told, she told this little Lucia, she said, uh, you have to wait a little while longer. She died at the age of 97. Yeah. <laughs> a little while longer. Time in, in the yeah. eternal yeah. Mary, Mary has different. a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. think, yes. uh, but I hope Francisco got in enough rosaries oh, he before, did. Oh, before yeah. he was dispatched. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he was ardently in love with Jesus. Yeah. He used to, you know, when he would suffer these terrible headaches, they got that flu. I think, I don't know if it was the Spanish flu, was it, uh -huh. after World War I? Right. Yeah. Which took about 20 million lives. Yeah, it was yeah, far more devastating well. than the war, war itself. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, he, the two of them died of that. And uh, uh, he used to suffer terrible headaches. So on the way to school, now I'm not, this is for not students to follow this example, but he, he couldn't study. And he would say to uh, Lucia and Jacinta, you go to school, I'm going to go to the church and pray. And he would go behind the altar and he'd pray, uh, especially that little prayer the angel taught, the yeah, reparation, and say his rosaries. Ah, that's it's beautiful. Right. And uh, soon after God took him. That is great. You, you started saying about how Our Lady appeared in 1925. Appeared you. in 1920 right. to Sister Lucia. What happened was, um, uh, it was in the little room of uh, Sister Lucia. She, Our Lady came with the Christ child. He, he, and uh, our Lady's heart was surrounded by a crown of thorns. And the Christ child spoke first. He said to Lucia, You see the heart of your mother, surrounded by a crown of thorns, put there by evil men. And who will take those thorns out of the heart of your mother? Mm. Then Our Lady spoke and said to Lucia, At least you do it for me. And then tell anyone who will go to confession, receive Holy Communion, offer a rosary, and then spend 15 more minutes keeping me company meditating on other mysteries of the rosary, uh, all with the intention of making reparation to my immaculate heart. Tell them, I promise them, when they die, they will have the graces of salvation. You know, And uh, Christ child said, tell the people, don't make the, 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 the devotion once, keep making it over and over. Because our Lord and Our Lady want our prayers and uh, this sacrifice, you know, this uh, special devotion for the salvation of souls. And you know, unfortunately, it's the most neglected part of yeah. the uh, mm -hmm. re request of Our Lady. The com I should point out that the confession, just recently the Holy See said that you can go to confession any day during the month. Okay. So if you're making it for, let's say, March or April, any day during the March or April, you can go to confession, you can apply it to the five first Saturdays. Mm -hmm. And then, but it all has to be done with that intention, uh, yeah. making reparation for the blasphemies and offenses against her heart. Uh, the priest who was her confessor and um, the superior, her superior, were the ones who were supposed to get this devotion out. And the priest asked her, how come there's only five for yeah. Saturday? Why not nine yeah, or, or seven? seven? Or <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so she asked our Lord, and our Lord said, because there are five blasphemies against my mother's immaculate heart. One is a blasphemy against uh, the immaculate conception, mm -hmm. but you can imagine how Satan ha hates that privilege of Mary, huh? Yeah. Uh, the beginning of the undoing of his kingdom. Secondly, the uh, blasphemies against Mary's perpetual virginity, which is really in the face of all this, our society today, so sex, you know, sexual uh, liberties and so on, distortions. 
Uh, thirdly, reparation for, for those who uh, deny or blaspheme Mary's mother, God, and our mother. Fourth, reparation for those who keep the young from her. Because she's a mother, she has a right to the love of all her children, and all her children have a right to her love. And finally, for those who um, distort her images and uh, treat them with great disrespect. And we know that happens uh, yeah. in some instances. There have been terrible blasphemies against Mary. Yeah. So these are, this is what Our Lady requested, the confession, communion, the rosary, and then 15 minutes. I mean, it seems simple, mm -hmm. but she's saying that's, that's the recipe. you got, you uh, got to do it. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick to it. You know, that's the important like, thing. Well, what, what makes the, the message, I think, particularly compelling is that it's preceded by the marvel, the miracle of the sun. Uh, and, and we ended on, on that note, uh, the last right. segment. Yes. Uh, perhaps you, you could enlarge upon that. It, it seems to me that if that many people had witnessed this, you've got pretty irrefutable evidence of Mary's presence uh, uh, and concern. That's right, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they had rained for about two days prior to that, that apparition. People, the ground was soaking wet, muddy, and, and all these people, imagine, tramping over that uh, mud and everything, yeah. they were soaking wet. And, um, and what happened was when the children finally got there, they were praying the rosary. People began to clamor, we want a sign, and they were starting to get very angry. <laughs> In fact, the mother of, of Lucia thought that Lucia was going to be killed that day because the, she didn't think anything was going to happen. Maybe she had those doubt, really oh, very sure. skeptical about yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. But what happened is uh, all of a sudden, the, the uh, Lucia, remember they were talking to Our Lady, and all of a sudden Lucia just waved toward the sun. She said, look at the sun. And later on she said she doesn't remember saying that. Oh, you know? mm -hmm. And she says, look at the sun. And, and all of a sudden people turned to the sun, and all of a sudden the sun began to break through the, crowd, uh, the clouds. And, um, you know, it began to turn all different colors. And then as they called it, they said it began to dance in the sky. I was in a hotel in, in Fatima, uh, where a man who owned it, he told me his grandparents were at that apparition. And he said, look at this photograph. All the people are looking to the left here. He said, Father, the sun is never there. It's always to the right. That's how far the sun was moving right. laterally. And then, as yeah. you know, the people said it became unhooked. It began to come down to the earth. Oh, they thought it was going to engulf the earth. And it, yeah, people was the was, end. <laughs> yeah, was it. They were screaming out their sins and everything. But... Uh, uh, miracles actually happened. Blind people could see, lame nice. people were healed. Yeah. And yeah. So it was a spectacular thing. Yeah. Our Lady gave the proof. And you know, a lot of skeptics went there. A lot of people went there to mock it. Yeah, right. to kind of nail the coffin lid. That's right. you know, I remember distinctly uh, when I first heard about Fatima, I was still a Protestant. Uh, on August 18th, uh, 1984, it was the day that my wife gave birth to our second son, Gabriel. And she had just mm -hmm. gone into labor. We were at the hospital. And so, you know, just to distract us in between the contractions, we're watching TV, flipping through the channels. And uh, in the middle of a contraction, I look up, and here's Ricardo Montalban, <laughs> you know, rich Corinthian leather and all of that, talking about Our Lady of Fatima. And I'd never heard of this, you know. And so uh, my, I'm much closer to, I'm much more open to Catholicism at this point. I'm still two years away from becoming Catholic. My wife is still very distant, you know, mm -hmm. and so the fact that I'm watching TV when she's having a contraction, but watching about the Blessed Virgin Mary, it's so created sensitive. tension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I have sensitivities that are seismic. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> but the uh, the fact is, I I was I was enthralled. I was enthralled, and I was I was massaging her back extra, 
you know, so I could watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I mean, when it came to the miracle of the sun and they showed the photographs of tens of thousands of people and the umbrellas and the mud and then all of a sudden the sun bursting forward. And then they also quoted the reports of the, the Portuguese newspapers that were run by the secularists, the atheists, the, the Masons. Yeah. You know, and, and just how irrefutable and yet how inexplicable. I mean, the mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. Yeah. And so, nevertheless, a lot of hearts were converted. And, you know, it's just like, how in the world did I not hear about this? Mm. 1917, and then it talks about Russia before the Bolshevik Revolution, yes. you know. And it was just like, you know, it, it couldn't have come at a better time in my life. And it went, it was like a laser beam going right through my mind and my heart. And I thought, she's my mother. She's my mother. Wow. And I, wow. I began praying the rosary, you know, on a, on a daily basis as a result of that show. Wow. And wow. Uh, it was just un unbelievable graces. Yeah. You, you mentioned something there about Russia. I know that was a, a desire and a request to, of the consecration uh, right. of Russia. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could talk about, you know, what did happen? Did, did Russia get consecrated to the Immaculate Heart? Oh, absolutely. People who question yeah. that, too. I know there's a lot of people who question it, but it absolutely done. And uh, what Pope John Paul did is he did the consecration exactly the way Pius XII had done it during World War II. See, the, um, the bishops of Portugal, they were celebrating the 25th anniversary of the apparition. It was 1942. The World War was going on. Mm. And uh, they, they were celebrating in Portugal, and they asked the Holy Father to make the consecration of Russia. But in the meantime, something else happened, and it was very significant. There was a mystic in Portugal. Her name was Alexandrina de Costa. She's now blessed. And if you ever go to Portugal, you've got to go visit her shrine. Mm. There's, a, there's a cross in the ground that was there. There was brown dirt for a hundred years. And our Lord told Alexandrina that was waiting for you. And she became a mystic. She was a victim soul. She had suffered an injury trying to escape this guy who was trying to molest her. And, um, and so she suffered the passion and so on. Our Lord asked her, he said, in, in, uh, have the Holy Father consecrate the world. Now, this is different than Russia. Consecrate the world to my mother's immaculate heart, and I will lessen World War II by two years. Amen. And so that request came. Well, the Portuguese bishops knew her. They knew she was an, uh, an authentic mystic. And so they took that very seriously, that request. And, of course, then you had the request from Our Lady through Sister Lucia for Russia. So... Now, the consecration of the world did not require the bishops. That only required the Holy Father. The consecration of Russia required the Holy Father with the bishops. Yeah. And so when Pius XII tried to make the consecration, okay, he made the consecration of the world validly, and that's why after that, 1943, the Allies began to win the yeah. war. Mm, it's there's a turning bad, point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, within two years, it was over. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. yeah, and they had not won anything major. Yeah. However, the consecration of Russia did not take hold. You know why? Because due to the war, the Pope could not reach all the bishops. Right, I see. And so he didn't have enough bishops to do it with, with him. And Sister Lucia told him that. A lot of people think, of course, he didn't mention Ru Russia by name. No, that's not the reason that the consecration is invalid. Yeah. In fact, uh, Sister Lucia, when she was told to make this double request, she prayed before the Blessed Sacrament, and then our Lord told her, do what the bishops told you to do. Uh -huh. so she had no problem with the way the Pope did it but he didn't do it with all the bishops. That's right. why I it see. took 
John yep. Cole to do it. Right. With so he did it with the Union of the Bishops, and that's and what and made the concert. Was it been 84 or what? 84, that 84. Was yeah. yeah, and the Soviet Empire uh, implodes uh, within Seven four years. or five years. Absolutely. Yeah. The yeah. statistics are unbelievable. Right. Maybe we can go into the next segment. Yeah, yeah. In our next segment, I'd like to continue our conversation on Our Lady of Fatima, but I know our, our guests would enjoy uh, talking a little bit uh, about Archbishop Fulton Sheen as well. You're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. I'm currently doing the uh, Louis de Montfort consecration to Jesus through Mary, um, which is a beautiful consecration that uh, Our Lady has given us. Um, and my favorite prayer in that is the Litany of the Holy Ghost, uh, which has really helped my day-to-day -day prayer life and just seeing the Holy Spirit uh, working in my life and, and hearing Him uh, speak to me throughout the day. And as I grow closer to God uh, through Mary's intercession, um, I'm able to hear His call uh, and, and say yes to God as, as Mary said yes to Jesus, which is a great blessing. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu pilgrimages. Glad you joined us for Franciscan University Presents. This entire show is taped right here in our communication art studio at Franciscan University. Our students are operating the camera and the equipment. Um, our regular panelists, Regis and Scott, are members of our theology faculty. And uh, today we're discussing Our Lady of Fatima with uh, author, preacher, and teacher, uh, Father Andrew Apostoli. Now, before we get back to Our Lady of Fatima, uh, I'd love to take a few minutes here and talk about uh, the cause of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who ordained you to the priesthood, and you're now the vice postulator for his cause. So, so what, what can you tell us a little bit about uh, some Fulton Sheen stories? Sure. Um, you know, uh, one of the, the great things about him was his uh, great love of the Eucharist. And mm -hmm. remember, he was known for his uh, making that holy hour every day. Call it the hour of power, the hour <laughs> that makes my day. And you know, he was faithful to that. Uh, hour which he had promised when he was in third year, I think, third year of theology, he had made a promise to give that hour every day. He was inspired by a little Chinese girl who had given her life for the Eucharist in China. And he said, if that little girl could have that courage, I can spend an hour every day. And so he made it faithfully, even though he was traveling and so on, you know. Um, he, uh, he also, you know, had a great devotion to Our Lady and particularly to Our Lady of Fatima. We've been talking about her. And of course, he was a great opponent of communism. Many mm. of his converts, he had uh, an estimated 52,000 converts. Many of them were communists. Uh, Bella Dodd, who had uh, entered the Communist Party, and uh, her assignment was to recruit men who had no vocations, no faith, no morality, into the priesthood. Wow. And that was an order from Stalin himself, yeah. you know, to destroy the Catholic Church from within by, you know, ordaining men who were not true priests, wow. you know, who are not... Uh, to be subversive uh, within the church. Yeah, to be yeah. subversive. Right? That was the way he destroyed it. He converted her. And uh, she told him, she said, I, I recruited about 11,000, uh, no, 1,100, I'm sorry, 1,100 yeah. uh, men to enter the priesthood, you know, and destroy the church from within. 
And, uh, you know, and so other communists too. And, you know, he made it his greatest, most famous prophecy. He was very prophetic. He told people things about their lives and so on. Um, but his fam most famous prophecy he made right on television. And one of his programs, as you know, there were live programs. And he went up to the camera. He did a show using about the Communist Party. He used one of uh, Shakespeare's plays about Julius Caesar, and he changed all the names <laughs> in that play to communist uh, officials and everything, <laughs> you know, Stalin, Lenin, Khrushchev, and all. And then he went up to the camera and he said, and yes, Mr. Stalin, your day will come, and it will come very soon. Five days later, Stalin had a massive stroke that paralyzed him, and four days later he was dead. Wow. And he made wow. that prophecy wow. right there on live television, yeah. you know. Wow. So, um, and, uh, but he also, you know, he promoted Our Lady, uh, even had a little mission rosary and so on. But even now, as we're working on his cause, some wonderful things, testimonies are coming through. But perhaps the most uh, outstanding thing of a favor granted, now I, we can't call it a miracle, only the Pope can declare miracles, but an alleged miracle. Uh, happened to a little child in uh, the Peoria Diocese. He was, the little, poor little fellow was born dead. He was stillborn. Uh, the umbilical cord during the birth process got wrapped around his neck. He died, you know, for lack of air. And uh, the, they examined him four different times, uh, you know, to, for life and so on. There was absolutely no signs of life, no br brain waves, no breathing, no heartbeat. And the doctors were ready to declare the child dead. It was 61 minutes after the birth, no life signs. And uh, the mother kept praying to Bishop Sheen. And as the doctors were ready to declare the little child dead, he started to breathe. Wow. And we just wow. feel that this was a just a tremendous favor. And of course, Peoria is where he's from. So. That's right. Yeah. Nice. That's right. Nice. And his, his name is James Fulton. You yeah. know, <laughs> you'd be surprised. A lot of people are naming their children after him, Fulton. Oh, that's yeah. great. That yeah. is great. Well, that, that is so encouraging to hear about uh, Archbishop Sheen and his cause, hopefully moving forward even further. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, I, I want to ask, you wrote Fatima for today. Uh, why now? What's the relevance of a message from 1917 to today? Well, the, the, the re relevance, I think, was summed up by Pope Benedict when he said, those who believe that the prophetic uh, uh, message of Fatima is ended are clearly mistaken. Mm -hmm. And the reason it can't, it, it can't be ended is because Our Lady said, in the end, the Pope will consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart. And that's why I believe it was done. It was done by Pope John Paul. Uh, secondly, many souls will be converted. And those conversions are starting to happen. What we need to do more of, as we said earlier in the program, as uh, to do the Five First Saturdays devotion. That is specifically linked to the conversions. Mm. And finally, Our Lady said, an era of peace will be given to the world. And I believe that. And I believe Our Lady didn't make a promise she didn't intend to keep. And she said it would happen. So that's why I think we can look forward to it. When Pope Benedict was there in Fatima in, uh, on uh, May 13th, the year 2010, yeah. he was saying Mass in the Kova. Uh, I should point out there were three rows of Russian people from Russia that were there. Had a big sign, Mary, thank you for what you are doing for our country. Oh, so yeah. they're acknowledging the change right. is happening. Right. And uh, the Pope said that we can pray and hope that the uh, fulfillment of the promises of Our Lady at Fatima would be fulfilled by 1917, which would make it 100 years. He said, I'm not making a prophecy. 
you know, he everything is done. The the uh, the consecration is made. The um, third secret has been fully revealed. That that was revealed by John Paul. You know, when he when he got shot in the hospital, he wanted to see what the third message was. Remember, he was shot on May thirteenth, nineteen eighty one. And he connected it. May 13th, I got shot. May 13th, Fatima. Right, right. In fact, uh, Aliaga, the man who shot him, when he went, when the Pope went to see him in prison, remember Aliaga said to him, why are you still alive? Right. He said, I'm a professional assassin. I don't miss. He said, whose feast was it in your church that day? That's the one who saved you. Isn't that interesting? Coming from the assassin. Yeah. He, he was the one that. who prompted the Pope to even look yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, one guy pulled the trigger, but a woman averted uh, its trajectory. That's right. Oh, yes, that's right. Know, she said she guided the bullet. Spared yeah. his life. Oh. Yeah. And so, to me, all of those are done, you know. And you know, the statistics bear it out. I, I was uh, recently had gotten these statistics that in 19, 1985, since 1985 to the end of uh, the year 2011, there was an increase in churches in Russia of 350% increase of churches. Mm. The number of monasteries from 1991, uh, there were 1991, there were 117 monasteries in Russia. There are now over 800, yeah. and they're filled. Wow. We don't have vocations in the West. Like that. They've no. got them, you know, like that, right? Wow, and, and they, wow. You know, so our words were true. Uh, there was a conversion that it, we don't always see it over here, uh, but the conversions are really happening. Yeah, we've, we've entered upon a new Marian age, uh, I, I think, which is sort of reminiscent of the high Middle Ages. Uh, uh, there was a period uh, during the 13th century, I think from 1170 to 1270, when over 800 uh, cathedrals uh, were built in France. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry, 80 cathedrals and 500 churches uh, that dot the landscape of Catholic France. Yeah. Uh, and that testifies to the love of the Virgin. Uh, yeah, that's right. It, it, it's not, you know, as, as Henry Adams puts it, it's not steam that built Chartres Cathedral. It was devotion to our mother. That's Can right. you that's go right. back for a moment? You mentioned that the assassination attempt on John Paul was on May 13th. That's right. And he didn't make the connection right away though. No, that's right, that's right. Mm. See, he, it took him, he was in the hospital, Jamelli Hospital, for three weeks right after the assassination attempt. And he had lost a great deal of blood. That's right, right. He, almost, he almost lost him. That's why he said, is not so much that I, you know, I, uh, that Mary prevented me from dying. She says, I think she gave me back my life. That's yeah. what he yeah. put it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, um, uh, and what happened was that when he went back a second time, he got sick and he had to go back, and he realized that connection the assassination, May 13th, Fatima, May 13th. That's when he asked for the, the third secret to be brought to him. Now remember, Sister Lucia had written 1960 on that. And yeah. That's why Pope John Twenty-Third had looked at it in order to reveal it in 1960. But I imagine he said, well, who's this Pope that gets shot? Remember we right. said that's the beginning right. of the, that's part of the message. Yeah. Same thing Paul VI looked at it. He said, now's not the time. This is not the time. Oh, who's see. this Pope? When John Paul looked at it, he knew immediately, that's me, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's when he made the I, I guess John Paul I didn't have enough time that's right. to look yeah. at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And okay. one year later, of course, John Paul goes to the Fatima, Fatima to right. thank Our Lady. Yeah. He attempted to make it then, but what happened was the people he relied on in the Vatican did not send out the notices to the bishops, oh. so he didn't have all the bishops with him. Right. However, he took it into his own hands, and on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception in 1983, he sent out the notices to all the bishops, yeah. joined with him. 
And he made the consecration on March 25, 1984, right. with 2,800-plus bishops yeah, making it with him, day. which is almost, a, huh. almost an absolute total number. Right. You know, and even Sister Lucia said he did the best he could do. And right. you can't, both some others not going to ask you to do better than you can do. And at that point in 1984, the Soviet Union just seemed indomitable. That's right. You know, yeah. I mean, Reagan was doing his best and a lot of others too. Right. But by 89, the, 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 you know, the, the Iron Curtain Sorry, just began to fall. By 91, you know, missionaries right. were going in and yeah, uh, I mean, still the prospect a lot of prayer. Of, of its right. dissolution, I, I yeah. don't think was in the cards no, uh, no, in absolutely. By the way, in addition to all those bishops, uh, there were a couple of families yes. uh, in St. Peter's Square, mine included. Was we were there in uh, 1984. Isn't we witnessed uh, this consecration to, uh, to Russia. Yeah, and I love the beautiful part that uh, in the book you quote about how uh, God's will is not immutable. Uh, and how, I think you're quoting Pope yeah, Benedict. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and this is the prayers in, in Russia uh, changed uh, some of the things that happened. I mean, is that, speak to that a little bit about yeah. how our prayers can affect it. Sure, when God hears prayers and, you know, it moves hearts. Our Lady, for example, when she talked about the power of the rosary, she said the rosary is so strong it can stop wars, mm. it can bring world peace, and it can bring conversions. So when we pray the rosary, our Lady's going to apply that to the right. salvation of souls, right. and the more that are, are saved, the, the more peace will come into the world. Yeah. Because remember, she told little Jacinta, war is the punishment for sin, right. you know, and that's why what we do does affect God's plan. You, you see that in the, in the, with Jonah when he preached in Nineveh, right? God was going to punish and destroy the city. They did penance, and he didn't destroy that. Right. The, the, God has moved, you know. As we come closer to 2017, you know, there is going to be a buildup. And I oh. think that, you know, people who watch the program ought to just pray about what can I do to kind of collaborate, to coordinate, yeah. you know, yeah. with parishioners, with other mm -hmm. parishes, you know, mm -hmm. with the diocese throughout the country, throughout the world, because... You know, ever since watching that TV program back in 84, I began to pray the rosary. And, you know, I remember the last year in the month of October, the month of the rosary, you know, I'm going to do it twice, you know. It has been my favorite prayer since before I became a Catholic. And the, uh, the experience of it at one level was like, you've got to be kidding. The rosary, talk about vain repetition, you know. And yet at a deeper level, you know, when you begin to discover, just, just begin to discover, I'm a child of God, and the older I get, the wiser I get, the smaller I get, you know. Uh -huh. And the, uh, the joy, to watching God do things that you can't even ask Him for. You don't have enough faith to pray, you know, through the rosary. Uh, it's just how, what Paul says, you know, how the wisdom of God appears to be foolish, and yet the yeah. foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom, and the weakness of God is more powerful than the power of man. I just think that... that we don't even imagine how much God wants to accomplish through the rosary. That's right. Oh, that's a very powerful prayer. Padre Pio used to say, is there any prayer more beautiful than the prayer Our Lady herself taught us than the rosary? He said, pray the rosary all the time. And so I think one of the practical things people can do, pray your rosary every day and learn about the five first Saturdays devotion. Please make it. That's essential to peace in the world. And that's yeah, that's great. In our, in our final segment, we'll look at some key points to wrap this whole conversation together. Uh, stay with us on Franciscan University Presents. I'm uh, the coordinator of Fisher, Fishers of Men, and when it gets down to it, uh, Our Lady is the greatest evangelizer we have. That's our big charism, is evangelization, is preaching the Word, and 
you think about it, like the apostles all looked to Our Lady. They all drew her, their strength from Our Lady. And so we just look to do the same thing. Um, there's nobody that knew our Lord better than His mother. And we just go to her to learn about Him and to increase our devotion, our love for Christ, because that's what she's all about. My name is Kelly Butler, and I'm a communication arts major. I took independent digital filmmaking. Definitely intense. Many all-nighters in the editing lab getting things done. Pope John Paul II has a quote, Do not be afraid to go out into the streets and into public places to preach Christ like the first apostles. That's what we're called to as Catholics and as Christians. You have that responsibility that every work you create should reflect Christ. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. come to the final segment of Franciscan University Presents. We've been discussing Our Lady of Fatima with Father Andrew Apostoli, uh, CFR. Uh, his book, Fatima for Today, The Urgent Marian Message, uh, is published by Ignatius Press. I couldn't recommend this book enough. It's a real comprehensive <coughs> book. Uh, now let's take some time to share our final thoughts. Uh, Regis, could you start us off? Well, a, an overwhelming sense of gratitude, really, for what you've done, Father. Not just the book, but uh, the presentation uh, uh, today. Uh, it, it's marvelous. It, it's uh, really a fascinating uh, and uh, enthralling narrative that you've woven together out of the materials of, of Mary's appearance. And I think you draw so eloquently, so wonderfully from your own experience, your own uh, devotion. And, and I was much struck by, by Scott's reminding us that we're closing in on the centenary, uh, 100 years uh, after the apparitions uh, uh, began. What can we do? I mean, the, the urgency of the need for peace is probably greater now than it was even in that tempestuous uh, spring of 1917. We're bedeviled by, by wars everywhere. And I, I'm, I'm also, uh, struck by the structure of the Hail Mary, which is really what the rosary is about, a whole list of Hail Marys. There's a kind of alternating current, a rhythm of praise followed by petition. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the praise is, is necessary in order for the petition to bear fruit. And uh, it, it reminds me finally of Dante. Uh, he's like us. He's every man. He wants to see the face of God. This, this is the deepest uh, cry of longing in the human heart. Let me see your face. But you can't see the face of God without the wings of the woman uh, who will somehow fly you straight into the precincts of uh, eternal felicity. That's what Dante uh, discovered. He had to invoke Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, who then went to Mary to ask her, please, would you help uh, your servant Dante get into heaven uh, and there look on the face of God. And, and people who desire grace but will not have recourse to Mary, it's as if they are flying without wings. Uh, and, and Mary has those wings, the wings of the Spirit, the wings of heaven. And uh, you awaken uh, so wonderfully uh, that longing to get back to Mary so that we can go home to God. Mm -hmm. oh, that's great. Scott? Thank you for sharing that. I, I think <clears throat> of the Hail Mary as being, you know, in two halves, the angelic salutation and then the prayer of sinners. And, and how heaven and earth are united, and how we get to share in the angelic salutation and extol the greatness of God's grace within her, and at the same time, 
you know, cry out in terms of her own need for mercy and her prayers. Uh, I want to thank you for writing this book. And it came out, you know, in 2010, seven years before the centenary. Mm -hmm. And uh, seven years for me and other people who study scripture, that's, that's significant. <laughs> you know, instead of just going on with, you know, prattling on about my thoughts, I just want to conclude my part here with a prayer to Jacinta and Francisco and to uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen that this book would be the instrument for preparing uh, the people of God to enter into the centenary celebration. Uh, the five first Saturdays would make a dramatic comeback. Mm -hmm. The rosary itself would, 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 would return with a greater force of grace than we could even ask for. And, and not only for Russia, but for countries like ours which have imbibed so deeply of the doctrines of Russia. Uh, that there would be a dramatic transformation, not just for political or economic stability, but for spiritual transformation, personal conversion, for families and marriages and parishes to be transformed. I believe this book, coupled with the Rosary and the Prayers of the Saints, has that potential. Thank you for this. Thank you, thank you. Father, could you share some? Sure, sure. I thank you for those beautiful words. Um, you know, my love for Lady Fatima goes all the way back in my life. I was a young boy. I was affected by the story. I think, you know, because it involved children and it was so simple. Um, and her plea, you know, that if we do what she said, we will find peace mm -hmm. and we need it. You know, I look around the country today and I see what, what Pope John Paul had said way back in 1976, that the Catholic Church is in the greatest spiritual struggle of her 2,000 year history. He says many Catholics are totally unaware of this. And what's at stake, he said, is not one nation or one doctrine. He said it's the entire Christian culture that has built up for 2,000 years. And you see it, the attack on life. life the sacredness of life is a heart, is a, is a cornerstone of Catholic culture. We don't you know, recognize the dignity of each person. Secondly, the family. And this is under attack in our society. And of course now even our religious freedom this is sacred. I mean, who can command you to go against your conscience? God alone. You are responsible to God alone in your conscience. And Our Lady came and she told us all these things would happen. See, I see these changes as communism, in our, but a different name in our nation. And if she warned us this was going to happen, she told us how we could stop it. And that's why I would hope people would pray their rosary every day. It's a powerful prayer. You said that's the real testimony you gave to the power of that prayer. You know, Our Lady taught it to us, you know, and uh, Padre Pio said that Our Lady gave it to us and the devil's always trying to take it away. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and secondly, the Five First Saturdays devotion. In my book, I refer to that practice, uh, the Five First Saturdays, as Our Lady's spiritual development program. You know, our, our Catholic people are not going to confession. In, in the numbers they used to, in the regularity, sometimes the years. The numbers they need to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. She's getting us to go to confession every month, uh, say the rosary, receive that extra Holy Communion. You know, uh, Our Lady is interested in our spiritual growth. And, and, and that's why Fatima, you know, to me holds the key and will bring the peace if we do what our mother said. Mm. And she loves us and we should be loving children.
Thank you so much, Father. Thank you. Thank you for coming to Steubenville. Thank you for being on our program and speaking to our students. Uh, it really has been an inspiration to me and a, a great challenge, uh, something for us to bring uh, to our families. And also just a sharing about Archbishop Fulton Sheen, too. I uh, really, really enjoyed that. Um, you know, when I read the book, I, I think you set it up in a, in a perfect way where there is an epic battle uh, between good and evil. You start off uh, with a, a tremendous um, uh, story of Genesis and of Revelation, of how um, Our Lady is in that battle, and uh, we are in a battle. Uh, we may not realize it, we're not on the sidelines, and there's only one weapon, and it's Our Lady's Rosary. Uh, that's going to get our families, uh, our communities, this country, and the world uh, back on track. Um, those first Friday, or first uh, Saturday uh, devotions, the communion of reparation, um, those are just something we need to, to make a part of our lives. And uh, you had a, a beautiful part here, Father, about um, uh, when Lucia, at one of the apparitions, asked Our Lady, um, what, what do you want of me? And she went through the normal uh, responses of come to back uh, to, on the 13th, pray the rosary daily. But she also added, um, learn to read. And, and I thought it was a very simple response, but you, you showed that she needed to learn some practical skills to share uh, the message of Our Lady. She even went on to learn uh, how to use a computer. Uh, what is our role uh, in sharing the message of Our Lady of Fatima to the world? Uh, what are the skills at our disposal that we need to leverage uh, for Our Lady? Um, thank you for watching us here on Franciscan University Presents. This entire show comes forth from the heart of Franciscan University, and I want to invite you to be a part of our mission by taking classes here on campus or through distance learning. Come for a summer conference or join us on a, on a pilgrimage to one of the holy shrines. Uh, visit us on uh, faithandreason.com. Uh, it's a, a website that has some great resources. The free handout for today is uh, chapter 18, uh, Fatima for today, uh, from the book on Pope Benedict and the continuing challenge of Fatima. This free handout, as well as a, a sheet of all the prayers from Fatima, is available at faithandreason.com. Uh, thank you for watching and stay with us next time. Father, could you close us with a final blessing? Sure, the blessing of St. Francis. And then, uh, uh, well, bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he turn his face to you and have mercy on you. May he smile on you and grant you his peace. And I ask Our Lady, uh, to, Our Lady of Fatima to put the mantle of her love and protection over each one of you and all your loved ones. And may St. Joseph, the only other saint to appear at Fatima, may he protect you and your families. And I bless you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. To download the free handout on today's topic, go to faithandreason.com. Email your request for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu. At faithandreason.com, you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University Presents, or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381. Or call 740-283-6357.